the Word of God. And, uh, you know, there's so many things that, that we know of, of the Word of God, and, and uh, you know, we're familiar with it. And, and, uh, but teaching that Sunday on, on the Word of God, it kind of did something to me because uh, I love this Word. I don't want to ever get to where I'm, I'm fearful of the Word. I don't want to ever get to where I'm trying to defend the Word. The Word stands for itself. I can't defend it. It is the Word of God. But oh, it is, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say this. It is the most glorious Word of God. And, uh, and we, we must love it and uh, cherish it and let it be a part of our lives. So, uh, with that said, why don't we why don't we stand and let's invite the presence of the Lord. Uh, let's remember those that are not here, those that are that are uh, sick and afflicted tonight. And I I know that uh, we we serve a prayer answering God and a healing God. Why don't we just if, if you have a special need, if you want to just lift up a hand, the Lord knows every need. Several hands lifted in, in the house. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful and grateful to you, Lord Jesus, for who you are and what you are to us, Lord. You are our God, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. God, we worship you, O Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord God. God, we've come into your house tonight, Lord, to give thanksgiving, to give praise, and to give worship to you and to learn of you, O Lord Jesus. We ask you, God, that you would touch the needs of your people, Lord God. God, you saw every hand that was raised signifying a need. God, oh Lord Jesus, we ask you, God, that you would touch those needs, Lord. Meet the needs of your people, Lord. Bring healing, Lord, and answers to their lives, God. I pray, oh Lord. God, I pray, oh Lord, let your spirit rest upon us this night. God, let us walk in the Holy Ghost this night, Lord. Let, let us feel the touch and the voice of God in our lives tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray. We worship you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's just, let's just give some thanksgiving. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. He is great and greatly to be praised. You can be seated. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <clears throat> as, as, as you know, that uh, uh, I write almost, well, I write all the lessons that I, that I teach. I, uh, years ago, I, I tried to use some, and it just kind of didn't fit. And so from that point on, I, I just started uh, writing those lessons and uh, and so um, I, I felt that that the Lord began to talk to me in this and so I felt impressed to to do this tonight because I, I think we don't talk enough about this and and you know sometimes the most simple things we need to rehearse them over and over in our lives you know I, I know that Paul said to leave the you know the the uh, the milk and and you know get involved in the meat and, and 
understand that. But sometimes we just we need to understand where we are and what we are. We we need to we need to understand uh, who we are. We're children of the Most High God. And I I believe that uh, the title of this lesson I I don't know why I felt to do it, but uh, but I do know that I've known from the past that when I feel to do something, it's for somebody's and probably several somebody's here. So we're going to talk about the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, <clears throat> and so I, I don't want to diminish in any way, no way, shape, or form the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I don't, I don't want to diminish that. And, I, and, and I'll, I'll make myself plain just a little bit later on in this. But because the Holy Ghost is the most wonderful gift that you could ever have. It is, it is the most glorious gift that you could ever have. Uh, God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost, leads us and guides us into all truth. And, uh, and it is incredible. And, and it's highlighted in, in uh, Acts chapter 2. And so I want us to, I want us to look at that. And, and as, we, as we do often, we're going we're gonna to open this up for comment. And, and uh, I'm going to uh, need your help and, and your input. And, uh, but, I, but I ask you this, let us not stray from, from what the subject is and, and let us stay on the subject and, uh, and, and please help me out. Don't take a lot of time explaining. We'll give you an opportunity, but, uh, but we've got a lot of scripture to cover, a lot of uh, material to cover tonight. So, uh, so let's, let's, just, let's just start and, and let's, let's read uh, about the, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost once again. Let's remind ourselves of this and then then let's look into some things let's let's begin to uh, dig a little deep in Acts chapter 2 verse number one very familiar uh, many of us can quote it but uh, but we'll read it and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared in them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergria and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the, the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians do hear them speak we do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Now, <clears throat> with, that, with that said, to pick up where I left off and where I left you with some time back, I don't want to diminish in any way the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But I feel all emphasis 
is on the initial experience and not enough on the current experience. Not to say we should change our emphasis on the initial experience. That's not what I'm saying. We must promote that. We must because it is the most wonderful gift. It is for everyone. Everyone should experience it. And, uh, and so I don't, I don't want to diminish that, but I want to make it plain that uh, uh, it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just something that, that you say, yes, um, I, you know, I received the Holy Ghost uh, 55 years ago. Well, I did, and I received it again just today. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a continual thing. And so, so uh, God's Word doesn't bear out the, the, the feeling that, that it would just be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It, God's Word doesn't bear that. In, in fact, in, in Matthew 25, the parable of the foolish virgins, they, what did they do? Let their oil run out. And so we know that oil is symbolic for the Spirit of God. And so we are, you know, we're also warned of the, of the plight of the angels that left their first estate, are we not? Of how that they, that, that, uh, they, they changed somehow. They, they began to follow, uh, follow Satan at that time. Paul also tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. I mean, you don't have to ask for it. It just automatically comes. You know, I, I've never heard anybody say, oh God, let, let me really want that. Out of the blue, bam, there it is. And we're, we're made overcomers by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. That's another story. And so Paul also warns Timothy that the Spirit speaks expressly. I, I guess that, that the the easiest way that I can, I can describe this, that, that the Spirit would speak clearly that, uh, that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And Paul also said we must be careful that, that we must not let the things which we have heard slip. And, and it's likened to a ship just kind of unmoored drifting out of the harbor. Beware. We, we can't allow these things to slip in our life. How shall we escape? He went on to say, if we neglect so great salvation. It's the greatest thing that you can ever experience, this salvation. It's the most wonderful experience that you could ever have. So please, hear and understand me tonight. I'm not diminishing the initial experience of the Holy Ghost, but instead emphasizing that it is not a one-time experience. It is something that we must have every day in our lives. It is something that we must work on. It is something that, that, that we've got to have contact with the Lord. Uh, I believe it was, uh, was the Paul that, that wrote, I die daily. What, what did he mean by that? He crucified the flesh daily. It's a daily thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you let go for just a little bit, sin will slip up on you. 
if you just let down just a little bit, if you just kick back a little bit and say, you know what, we're going to, you know, and there are many, many things. There are many things that, that are not sin that can lead you the wrong way. The Bible says forsake the very appearance of evil. And so in, in knowing that and, and, and understanding that, uh, let, me, let me take you to Titus chapter 3, verse number 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We're not saved by, by how good we are. We're not saved by, by uh, that, that we've crossed some, some T's and dotted some I's, that we've filled in all of the blanks. We're not saved by that, but we're saved by the washing of regeneration and, uh, and, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost to be renewed daily in our lives where the Spirit of God is, is fresh. That's what renewing means. The Holy Ghost should be refreshed in our lives every day. The Holy Ghost leads us. The Holy Ghost guides us. And so if the Holy Ghost is not speaking to us, another voice would be. And we don't need that other voice. We need the Lord speaking to us. So, so with that said, let's get back to the focus of this lesson. Evidence of the Holy Ghost. Now, <clears throat> I need somebody to help me out. What does evidence mean? Police officers should know that. Proof? Okay. Somebody, somebody help me out? Anybody? All right, just evidence right now. Just I, I know that's the that you're 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 one step ahead of me. <clears throat> so so just come back just a little bit. Ev evidence in in a natural sense. Evidence in a okay, and that's what we're we're yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> now you're way ahead of me, Brother Cornell. Okay, the body, the body of facts or information, something that furnishes proof. Somebody that, that testifies, bears testimony. Yeah, I saw that rascal do that. Lock him up. Well, what does our, what does our law say? I know under the Mosaic Law, mm -mm, it didn't happen. It had to be what? Two or three witnesses, right? So, and, and that's in, in our law today. It's the, it's the body of proof. Not just one by person claiming something, but it's, it's the body of proof that declares it. So that's what we're looking at tonight. Uh, the, the body of proof. Okay, so let's, let's look at the scriptures that we just read. According to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, what was the proof of actually receiving the Holy Ghost? Speaking in tongues. Okay? Now, there was some other, there was some other proofs there. So, so think, about, think about these 13 chapters. The, the, the major point is speaking in tongues. But there's some other things that, that can declare us that, that what had happened, what took place. And so, so uh, it, it is not just speaking in tongues, but, but notice the visitors. 
around about. They came from every land, every nation. They were devout Jews from all over the world that came back for the feast days to celebrate. I'm not sure which one it was. Didn't research that. I'm not sure if he even declares that. <clears throat> but uh, the day of Pentecost. Well, duh. So, so we know it's Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. And so, so uh, when, when we look at that, there were, these, there were these guys from all over the then, the then known world. And they, were, they were, had migrated back. And suddenly, bursting out of this upper room, this 120 people that had been there praying and seeking God for, for, for days, and they'd been, they'd been fasting and praying and asking God for, 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 uh, for His presence. And, and uh, God was go told them that, that the, the gift would be poured out upon them, that, that, that they would receive power. And, and so, so we, they, they were looking for that, and they were praying, and suddenly it happened. On the day of Pentecost, there came a, a sound. It, it sounded like a rushing mighty wind, and it, it filled all the house. And then the, the coolest thing, tongues of fire sat upon them. And you remember, you know, we've, we've referred to this before, but you remember uh, it, it, it goes back to, to the first time that, uh, that, you know, evidently there was some sort of something that, that Cain and Abel, that, that, uh, that Adam saw, something that happened that signified that this was approved by God. Many think it was fire that came down and consumed the sacrifice. Well, we know by precedent that it did happen under the Mosaic Law that fire did come down and consume the first sacrifice. And so, so isn't it neat that, that tongues of fire, it, it didn't consume these guys, but, but they were consumed, they were on fire with the Holy Ghost, and actually tongues of fire set upon them, and they left that inside of the building, and they go outside, and they're, man, they're speaking in tongues like crazy. But it just so happens that they're speaking in the language of all of these different people from all parts of the world. And, and they're hearing them speak in tongues. And so not just speaking their language, but telling the wonderful works of God in their language. You know, not just saying some gibberish and not just, but declaring how great God is and what God has done for them and how God died for their sins. And it was so different and so powerful, so, so incredible that some thought they were drunk. And so, okay, for a few minutes, let's examine uh, the examples of those receiving the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. You say, whoa, wait just a minute. I didn't think anybody received the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. Well, the Bible says that, uh, <clears throat> that the, the Holy people say, well, the Bible says that the Holy, Holy Spirit just moved on them. Well, that's, that's cool, and, and perhaps the Holy Spirit did move on them, but what, they, what does people have to do to receive the Holy Ghost? They've got to be receptive, right? They've got to allow the Spirit of God to move upon you. You know, we've, you, you've heard this, I've heard this, that, that uh, the, the presence of God is, is a gentleman. It's not going to come where it's not wanted. It's not going to just jump on you because... because of something. You know, they say, oh, don't go down there to the altar. You know, something will jump on you. 
<clears throat> well, uh, I don't know of anything that'll jump on you unless you invite a devil to jump on you because the Lord will be receptive. He only comes when you ask him. He only comes when you begin to worship him, when you begin to praise him, when you begin to glorify him. Then he's there close. And so you must be receptive. Okay, so, so let's, let's just look at some examples. Now there are many, many more that I've left out. But I, I just for the purpose of, of looking at them, in Numbers 11 and 25, and it's, it's gonna, probably going to be uh, repetitive, but, but let's, let's do it anyway. In Numbers 11 and 25, And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him, and took of the, of the Spirit that was upon him, and gave it to the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Okay, just a little background. Uh, Moses was fed up. He, he was worn out with judging the people of Israel. And so, <clears throat> so he, he just he complained to God, said, this is too much for me. You know, I've got all this, these people upon me. They besiege me daily. And God said, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to lift part of that burden off of you, and we're going to put it on, on 70 men. And so, so uh, the Spirit of God is going, to, is going to dwell on 70 men. Okay, now, these 70 elders that we just read about, what evidence did, did they exhibit? Okay, they prophesied, did they not? When the Spirit abode on them, the Scripture says, they prophesied. Okay, <clears throat> now, we, we understand that God placed the Spirit that was on Moses on them, correct? Is that, am I, am I correct here? Okay, to find evidence of, of what was on Moses, let's compare. What did these men exhibit that Moses exhibited? Now, now we can't go into, into detail, and we can't look up and see each in, individual one, but we can look at Moses' life. What, what, was, what, would, what defined Moses? Spokesman for God, yes. Somebody said something back here. The meek, okay, there it is. That's what I was looking for. He was meek, right? Okay, he was obedient to God, a spokesman for God. And so, so what else? What else about, about Moses? He was, he, he obeyed him, yes. He was impartial in judgment. He was fair, right? Because that's what God hates. God hates false judgment. God hates somebody that, that is not fair in, in judgment. And we understand that Moses uh, uh, showed a lot of wisdom in, in a lot of his dealings that he dealt with the people. And so, so you look at meekness, you look at uh, impartial judgment, being fair in judgment, you look at obedience to God, you look at uh, a spokesman for God. He was speaking the words of God, so, so he obeyed truth, did he not? And so, so all, of, all of these things, we're going to look at them and we're going we're to see them a little bit later on. But I, I'm just kind of setting the table for this, okay? Let's go to Judges chapter 6 and verse number 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet in Abizer and was gathered after him. Okay, 
Now, let me, let me ask you this question. What evidence did Gideon show? You've already mentioned some of them. He was obedient, right? Obedient to God. Now, notice another thing. Here he, here he was hiding earlier. And then he blows the trumpet and declares, if you guys don't gather to me, something's going to happen. A boldness took over. What happened to, to the early disciples, with the, to, the, to the early church? They preached the word of God with boldness. Amen. Declaring the word of God. Listen, folks, this is the most incredible experience that you could ever experience. This is not some sort of something that will be detrimental to your health. This is something that will enhance your life. This is something that will bring joy and happiness to you. And so, so you see obedience to God and you see boldness. Okay, let's, let's uh, and now there's many more that we could, that we could pull, but just for the sake of time, I pull these. And in Judges chapter 14 and 6, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would rent, would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Okay, the Spirit, we're talking about Samson, okay? And, and he, he was met with by a lion, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he tore him asunder. Now, uh, what evidence did Samson exhibit? The power of God. Courage, yes. Boldness again. You could say fearlessness. You say, well, wait just a minute. Why is Samson? Well, if he's in the heroes of faith, I guess I can mention him. Amen? Thank you. Okay, 1 Samuel 10 and 10. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Now, we're talking about Saul here. Okay, now, now once again, the same question asked, what evidence did Saul show that the Spirit of God moved on him? Here's the word again. He prophesied. Okay? Now, there's, there's something else that we can find if we look closely. Because the Bible says that, that he was told, or maybe he wasn't told, but he went away with a different heart. A changed heart. Something had been changed there by the power of God. And, and you know, in, in repentance is one of, one of the most incredible incredible things that, that we can ever do in our lives. Uh, the, you know, the world, our world has proclaimed it as, as something weak and something pitiful and something pathetic and something all sorts of stuff. But repentance is the miraculous changing of the mind. That, that our mind is changed when we give uh, the Lord uh, our, our life, when we, when we submit ourselves, when we tell the Lord God, our Creator, God, Forgive me of sin. I'm sorry for my sin. And, and repentance, let repentance do a perfect work in each of us. Brother Larson, I see your hand.
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He did. Okay, so, so what evidences did we find? Prophesied. Prophesied. A change, a different heart. Changing of the mind. Okay, <clears throat> now let's look at, let's look at uh, uh, an example of David in 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to uh, Ramah. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. All right. Okay. This is David. How about David? It doesn't say much about him here, really. But we kind of know quite a bit about him, don't we? You know, we, we, we read the Psalms that he wrote. We can understand his heart. We can understand the longings of his heart. So, so what happened to David when, the, when this Holy Ghost came upon him? You're hesitant because you don't, don't know what I'm, I'm wanting. <clears throat> but what, what, what is said about David? That he was a man after God's own heart. How do you become a man after God's own heart? You're touched, you're changed by the presence of God, by the Spirit of God. Okay, according to the Psalms, what was David? A worshiper of God. He, he, he teaches us how to worship. True worship. He gives us, he gives us understanding of what worship is. And, uh, and, and then what, what, uh, what, I guess, attribute could be David's after, after the spirit infilling the presence of God. Kind of like some of the others. Panted after him. Wasn't he obedient to God? He had a heart for God. He served the Lord. And was very tender when he was chastised. How about us? How are we when God chastises us? You can't do that to me. Seriously, how are we? What, what is our... Amen. He loves you. Yes, he does. Yes. Amen. Yes. So, so when, when the Lord chastises us, it shows that he loves us. He cares about us. Okay? <clears throat> now, we've, we've covered a few of, of the Old Testament. Let's, let's, let's go to, back to Acts chapter 2 and, and verses 3 and 4. This is the, the 120 that was in the upper room. And so, uh, verse number 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And verse 4. And they were all fill with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, here we have again uh, something that, that we maybe have not 
mentioned so much, but I believe that it's very important that, uh, that, that believers have fire in them. The fire of the presence of God. Uh, and, and obviously, what, you know, what, what defined them receiving the Holy Ghost? And with fire, yes. Yes. Okay, you're getting ahead of me a little bit. <clears throat> okay. But but that is correct. And and it's it's good to to hear us for us to hear it two or three times. But the the note I want to make about this, what what was the defining moment that they received the Holy Ghost? They heard them speak with other tongues. Okay. All right, let's let's go to Philip's converts in Acts chapter 8. Verse number 15, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, and when Simon saw through, that through laying on of the hands, uh, laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Okay, I know this is this is elementary. I, I understand that, but I want us I want us to I want us to 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 hear this. I want us to I want us to get back to the very basics of this. What is the evidence here that they had that they received the Holy Ghost? They spoke in other tongues. Okay, and then and then we have the evidence that Simon tried to, to buy that gift. Man, something's happening here. I'd like to lay my hands on them and them speak in tongues. That would be cool. And so, so that lets us know that, uh, that, that he was, he was uh, uh, also, that he saw something that, that was phenomenal. He saw something that was marvelous. He saw something that was life-changing in the individual that he could lay, that the, Peter and John laid their hands on them and they immediately received the Holy Ghost. They immediately changed their life and uh, felt the change. Okay, let's go to uh, Cornelius' house. In Acts chapter 10 and verse number 44, it says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Verse 45, And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. <clears throat> Can any man forbid water? I, I don't have, won't read that scripture, but, but uh, you know where it goes from there. Okay, now it's elementary again. Please forgive me, but I, I, I want us to, 
I want us to, to drive home this point. What evidence is here? They heard them speak with tongues. They heard with their own voice that they spoke in tongues just like they did on the day of Pentecost. Wow. I didn't know the Gentiles could get it too. Man, this is just like what we've been seeing happening all around. Now the Gentiles. Well, the cool thing about that is that includes me. I don't know about you, but it includes me. They heard them speak with tongues. Okay, now let's, let's go forward to some disciples of John the Baptist. And uh, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 19 and verse number 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. Sounds like the Old Testament, doesn't it? The Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Once again, please forgive me for, it sounds like we're just going over the same thing over and over again. But what was the defining moment of the Holy Ghost? What, what was it? They spoke with tongues. What else? Remember hearing that over and over in the Old Testament? I'm, I'm just reminding us of all of this. Okay, let's, let's go to, to John chapter uh, 14 and 26. Uh, many of us can quote it, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, the Holy Ghost will become your teacher. The Holy Ghost will become your guide. The things that I have taught you in this three, three and a half years, the things that I have driven home uh, to you, the Holy Ghost is going to teach you and guide you. But how? You got to be prayerful. You got to read the Word. You got to let the, the Spirit speak to your heart. You got to open up your heart to the Lord and, and let the Holy Ghost speak to us and teach us. God's word makes it plain that there are many spirits. In fact, we are admonished to try the spirits and see whether they're of God. You know, it, it's very easy to try the spirit, it's very easy. You know, well, what, what's one of the defining things of Moses' life, Brother Sam? Meekness. What's one of the defining things of, of those in the Old Testament receiving the Holy Ghost? Obedience. And so you, you look at those things, and you look at, at Moses' life, and, and he, can, he can declare it. So we're admonished to try the Spirit's to see whether they be of God. There is only one true spirit. There's not many spirits. There's one. God is spirit. The, you know, the, the word says God is a spirit, but it could be, it, it actually could be, could be translated God is spirit. That's what he is. He's spirit. He's not flesh and blood like us. God is spirit. And the Holy Ghost is simply the spirit of God. So, Let's, let's look at uh, 1 John 4 and 13. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his 
spirit. Brother Cornelius shared with this with us quite a while ago. So how do we know? What's the evidence? The evidence that there's been a change in your life. The evidence that, that there is something going on in your life. That your life has changed from the, from the person that it was. I, I mentioned a, a few weeks ago, and, and, uh, or maybe it was just last week, about how that it is, it is so neat to see somebody come in that for the first time that, and, uh, that's been out in the world and, and just you come in and you can see their face. You can see their countenance. They are so unhappy. They are so disappointed in life. They are so disgruntled with everything. And, and suddenly they come into the presence of God. They give their heart to the Lord in repentance. They repent of their sins and they get up. And what do they do? They start hugging on people. They are so happy. They are so changed. And, and so that's what we must understand. That's what we must realize. The changing power of God. And so uh, and I want to uh, read to you in 1 John chapter 5. In verse number 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now, this is so cool. I, I hope, I hope you, you receive this like I did. The Spirit bears witness. When you receive the Holy Ghost, the Spirit bears witness. The Spirit becomes proof in your life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That your life has been changed. Your life is different because the presence of God dwells in you now. Oh, hallelujah. Because the Spirit is truth. The Spirit testifies. It bears record. It gives evidence. Well, what is this evidence? What is this record? What is this testimony? The Holy Ghost gives evidence that somebody's been filled with God's Spirit by the gift of tongues. Right? Didn't we cover that over and over and over again? But tongues are just a sign to the unbeliever, yes. Tongues are a sign. The evidence we understand according to the Word of God, they heard them speak with tongues. That's, that's a sign of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We understand that. But there's something more that we need to understand. There's, there's something deeper and further that we need to understand. In Galatians 5 and verse number 22, but the fruit, uh-oh, I just lost all of you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, 
let us walk in the Spirit. I think the most important thing is is that we receive the true Spirit of God. That we begin to show forth the fruit of God in our life. God has changed me. I no longer do what I used to. God has changed my life. I no longer watch what I used to watch. God has changed my life. I no longer go to the places that I used to go. God has changed my life. No longer do I desire the things that I used to lust after. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Amen. In Walmart, we become a witness. In, uh, in Sam's Wholesale, we become a witness. In Harps, we become a witness. Awesome. <laughs> Yes. That's Awesome. Amen. The truth and the life. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Amen. I believe that. I believe that. All right. Let's. All right. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Let's get. Let's get back to the. Let's get back to the to the fruit of the spirit. This this is something, church, that we've got to manifest. We've got to show forth that we are changed. So, what's the story? What's the evidence? We've got to have the Holy Ghost in our lives. If you don't have the Holy Ghost in our lives, you, it's, it's easy to do all sorts of things. It's easy. It's easy. Paul warned. I, I read earlier in the scripture where Paul warned that you, that you slip, that you, you just kind of ease back away and ease out. But we've got to have the Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us. We've got to have the Holy Ghost that, that, that uh, speaks in our heart. Let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 9. It says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. He lays it out here pretty plain for all of us. The fruit of the Spirit speaks for itself, does it not? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. When the fruit of the Spirit is in your life, He'll lead you and guide you. You'll start doing right. You'll start speaking right. You'll start acting right. You'll start, you'll start uh, displaying uh, the, the Spirit of God in meekness. You'll start, start displaying the Spirit of God in in, uh, in obedience to him. When he speaks to you, you'll hear his voice because you recognize his voice because of the fruit of the Spirit in you that you're displaying uh, goodness and you're displaying righteousness. That's not a human trait. That's, that's, a, that's a trait of God. For God is love. And when God dwells in us, the love of God uh, constrains us. The love of God uh, works in our life. The love of God leads us. See, we become, instead of all sorts of, of uh, horrible things, whoremongers and liars and outcasts and, and so on and so forth, we become righteous, living righteous. Not our righteousness, but the righteousness of the Lord God that gives us power to overcome the things in the world. Gives us power to live a holy life. Gives us power to walk in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yes, He will. Amen. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. We're, we're here to show that the testimony of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has changed us from the old person, hateful, the old person that we, are, we were, into a new creature in, in Christ the Lord. Okay, let me continue. I'm, I'm just almost through. <clears throat> in, in James chapter 3, and verse number 17 says this, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. Let me start again. Listen closely to this. But the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. You know, I, I think I've, I've mentioned this before, but the only place you'll ever find a hypocrite is in church. Because out there, there's no hypocrites. They can do anything they want. It's not. But we've got a, we've got a guard against that, that we, we become hypocritical. That we become better than thou. That we become somehow thinking that, that we've got inroads with the, with the Lord God and God has blessed us wonderfully. God has directed our life. He's turned our lives around. He's helped us. He's given us hope. He's given us understanding. But we've got to understand that and realize that, that uh, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Without the presence of God, where would we be? Without the Spirit of Almighty God, what would we do? So it's, the Spirit would speak to each of our hearts. Verse number 18, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. I just read that, didn't I? And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Jesus is the peacemaker. And I think the, the ultimate in our life is that when we make peace with God first, we give our hearts to the Lord and let the Holy Ghost begin to lead us and guide us into all truth. You know, the evidence won't all be just in the tongues. The evidence will be in our life that we're a living example of Jesus Christ. Sure, we make mistakes. We have faults and we have failures. But anybody should be able to see there's something different about them. There's something about them that, that, that I need to look into. What is that difference? It's the presence of God that we're to show forth the praises of Him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now we're letting the light of Jesus Christ shine upon us. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your input. Why don't we, why don't we stand together? And, and as, we, as we close this service tonight, um, I, I, I just I feel that it, is, that it is so important for us to have a true understanding of Christ in our lives and to not be satisfied 
as I mentioned, and it, it, it lukewarmness, not to be satisfied with anything but the hot fires of the Holy Ghost that is consuming my life, that, that I am changed. I'm, I'm here to bring help and hope to others. I'm not here just for myself, but I'm here to, to let others see that there is God, there, there is a God, and others see that, that, that Christ in me made a difference. Amen. So why don't we, as we close, let's, let's lift up our voice to the Lord. And, and